But as long as they got the goodies, they didn't care about God. It's the LifeSpring One-Year Bible coming to you from Riverside, California and podcasting since 2004. I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. It's so good to see you today. This is The Law Monday, and our reading will be Exodus 33 through 36. I'm calling this episode a time out. Today, I'll also reveal the names of the three winners of the drawing for a copy of the Jesus Revolution book, and I'll have a race report for you. But before we read, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your word, and we thank you for our time together. I pray, Lord, that as we read, you would touch our hearts and touch our minds. Help us, Lord, to understand what we read and help us to apply it to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go. Exodus chapter 33. The Lord said to Moses, Go up from here, you and the people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, for you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this troubling word, they mourned. No one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You are a stiff-necked people. If I went up among you for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, that I may know what I should do to you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Moses took the tent and pitched it outside the camp, at a good distance from the camp, and he called it the Tent of Meeting. Anyone seeking the Lord would go out to the Tent of Meeting that was outside the camp. And when Moses went out to the tent... All the people would get up and stand at the entrance to their tents and watch Moses until he entered the tent. And whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people would see the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people, each one at the entrance of his own tent, would rise and worship. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, the way a person speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his servant, Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have been saying to me, Bring this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. But you said, I know you by name, and also you have found favor in my sight. Now, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you that I may continue to find favor in your sight, and see that this nation is your people. And the Lord said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not take us up from here. For how will it be known then that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we will be distinguished, I and your people, from all the people who are on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have requested, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Show me your glory. And the Lord said, 
I will make all my goodness pass before your face, and I will proclaim the Lord by name before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he added, You cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. The Lord said, Here is a place by me. You will station yourself on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Exodus chapter 34 The Lord said to Moses, Cut out two stone tablets that are just like the first ones. I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning, then come up on Mount Sinai. Meet with me there on top of the mountain. No one must come with you. No one must be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds must be allowed to eat grass in front of the mountain. So Moses carved out two stone tablets that were just like the first ones. Early in the morning, he went up Mount Sinai. He carried the two tablets in his hands. He did as the Lord had commanded him to do. Then the Lord came down in the cloud. He stood there with Moses and announced his name, the Lord. As he passed in front of Moses, he called out. He said, I am the Lord, the Lord. I am a God who is tender and kind. I am gracious. I am slow to get angry. I am faithful and full of love. I continue to show my love to thousands of people. I forgive those who do evil. I forgive those who refuse to obey, and I forgive those who sin. But I do not let guilty people go without punishing them. I punish the children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren for the sin of their parents. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, he said, if you are pleased with me, then go with us. Even though these people are stubborn, forgive the evil things we have done. Forgive our sin and accept us as your people. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. I will do wonderful things in front of all your people. I will do miracles that have never been done before in any nation in the whole world. The people you live among will see the things that I, the Lord, will do for you, and they will see how wonderful those things really are. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites to make room for you. Be careful. Do not make a peace treaty with those who live in the land where you are going. They will be a trap to you. Tear down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down the poles they use to worship the goddess Asherah. Do not worship any other god. I am a jealous god. In fact, my name is Jealous. Be careful not to make a peace treaty with those who live in the land. They commit sin by offering sacrifices to their gods. They will invite you to eat their sacrifices. You will choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters will commit sin by worshiping their gods. Then they will lead your sons to do the same thing. Do not make statues of gods. Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For seven days eat bread that is made without yeast, just as I commanded you. Do it at the appointed time in the month of Abib. You came out of Egypt in that month. Every male animal that is born first to its mother belongs to me. That includes your livestock. It includes herds and flocks alike. 
Sacrifice a lamb to buy back every male donkey that is born first to its mother. But if you do not buy the donkey back, break its neck. Buy back every oldest son. You must not come to worship me with your hands empty. Do your work in six days, but you must rest on the seventh day. Even when you are plowing your land or gathering your crops, you must rest on the seventh day. Celebrate the Feast of Weeks. Bring the first share of your wheat crop. Celebrate the Feast of Booths. Hold it in the fall. Three times a year all of your men must come to worship me. I am your Lord and King, the God of Israel. I will drive out nations ahead of you. I will increase your territory. Go up three times a year to worship me. While you are doing that, I will keep others from wanting to take any of your land for themselves. I am the Lord your God. Do not include anything that is made with yeast when you offer me the blood of a sacrifice. You must not keep any of the meat from the sacrifice of the Passover feast until morning. Bring the best of the first share of your crops to my house. I am the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down the words I have spoken. I have made a covenant with you and with Israel in keeping with those words. Moses was there with the Lord for forty days and forty nights. He didn't eat any food or drink any water. The Lord wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant. Those words are the Ten Commandments. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. He had the two tablets of the covenant in his hands. His face was shining because he had spoken with the Lord, but he didn't realize it. Aaron and all of the people of Israel saw Moses. His face was shining, so they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them. So Aaron and all of the leaders of the community came to him, and Moses spoke to them. After that, all of the people came near him, and he gave them all of the commandments the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Moses finished speaking to them. Then he put a veil over his face. But when he would go to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil. He would keep it off until he came out. Then he would tell the people what the Lord had commanded. They would see that his face was shining, so Moses would put the veil back over his face. He would keep it on until he went in again to speak with the Lord. Exodus chapter 35 Moses gathered all the Israelites together and said to them, I will tell you what the Lord has commanded you to do. There are six days for working, but the seventh day will be a very special day of rest for you. You will honor the Lord by resting on that special day. Anyone who works on the seventh day must be killed. On the Sabbath, you should not even light a fire in any of the places where you live. Moses said to all the Israelites, This is what the Lord commanded. Gather special gifts for the Lord. Each of you should decide in your heart what you will give, and then you should bring that gift to the Lord. Bring gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and red yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red, and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for all the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and spices for the sweet-smelling incense. Also, bring onyx stones and other jewels to be put on the ephod and the judgment pouch. All of you who are skilled workers should make all the things the Lord commanded. The holy tent, its outer tent and its covering. The hooks, boards, braces, posts and bases. 
the holy box, its poles, the mercy cover, and the curtain that covers the area where the box stays, the table and its poles, all the things on the table, and the special bread on the table, the lampstand that is used for light, and the things used with the lampstand, the lamps and the oil for the light, the altar for burning incense and its poles, the anointing oil and the sweet-smelling incense, the curtain that covers the door at the entrance to the holy tent, the altar for burning offerings and its bronze grating, the poles and all the things used at the altar, the bronze bowl and its base, the curtains around the yard, their posts and bases, and the curtain that covers the entrance to the yard, the pegs used to support the tent and the wall of curtains around the courtyard, and the ropes that tie to the pegs, and the special woven clothes for the priest to wear in the holy place. These are the special clothes for Aaron the priest and his sons to wear when they serve as priests. Then all the Israelites went away from Moses. All the people who wanted to give came and brought a gift to the Lord. These gifts were used for making the meeting tent, everything in the tent, and the special clothes. All the men and women who wanted to give brought jewelry of all kinds. They brought pins, earrings, rings, and other jewelry. They gave all their jewelry as a special offering to the Lord. Everyone who had fine linen and blue, purple, and red yarn brought it to the Lord. Anyone who had goat hair or ram skins dyed red or fine leather brought it to the Lord. Everyone who wanted to give silver or bronze brought that as a gift to the Lord. Everyone who had acacia wood came and gave it to the Lord. Every skilled woman made fine linen and blue, purple, and red yarn. And all the women who were skilled and wanted to help made cloth from goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other jewels. These stones and jewels were put on the ephod and judgment pouch of the priest. The people also brought spices and olive oil. These things were used for the sweet-smelling incense, the anointing oil, and the oil for the lamps. All the Israelites who wanted to help brought gifts to the Lord. They gave these gifts freely because they wanted to. These gifts were used to make everything the Lord had commanded Moses and the people to make. Then Moses said to the Israelites, Look, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, from the tribe of Judah. Uri was the son of Hur. And he has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God. He gave Bezalel special skill and knowledge to do all kinds of things. He can design and make things with gold, silver, and bronze. He can cut and set stones and jewels. He can work with wood and make all kinds of things. The Lord has given Bezalel and Aholiab special skills to teach other people. Aholiab was the son of Ahizamak, from the tribe of Dan. He has given both of these men special skills to do all kinds of work. They are able to do the work of carpenters and metal workers. They can weave cloth with designs in it from blue, purple, and red yarn and fine linen. And they are able to weave things with wool. Exodus chapter 36 So Bezalel, Aholiab, and all the other skilled men must do the work the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given these men the wisdom and understanding to do all the skilled work needed to build this holy place. Then Moses called Bezalel, Oholiab, and all the other skilled men who the Lord had given special skills to, and they came because they wanted to help with the work. Moses gave them everything the Israelites had brought as gifts, and they used these things to build the holy place. The people continued to bring gifts each morning. Finally, all the skilled workers left the work they were doing on the holy place, and they went to speak to Moses. They said, The people have brought too much. We have more than we need to finish the work the Lord told us to do. 
Then Moses sent this message throughout the camp. No man or woman should make anything else as a gift for the holy place. So the people were forced to stop giving more. The people had brought more than enough things to finish the work of building God's holy place. Then the skilled workers began making the holy tent. They made the ten curtains from fine linen and blue, purple, and red yarn, and they sewed pictures of cherub angels with wings into the curtains. Each curtain was the same size, twenty-eight cubits long and four cubits wide. The workers joined the curtains together into two groups of curtains. They joined five curtains together to make one group and five curtains together to make the other group. Then they used blue cloth to make loops along the edge of the end curtain of one group and they did the same on the end curtain in the other group. There were fifty loops on the end curtain in one group, and fifty loops on the end curtain in the other group. The loops were opposite each other. Then they made fifty gold rings to join the two curtains together. So the holy tent was joined together into one piece. Then the workers made another tent to cover the holy tent. They used goat hair to make eleven curtains. All the curtains were the same size, thirty cubits long and four cubits wide. The workers joined five curtains together into one group and six curtains together into another group. They put fifty loops along the edge of the end curtain of one group, and they did the same on the end curtain of the other group. The workers made fifty bronze rings to join the two groups of curtains together to form one tent. Then they made two more coverings for the holy tent. One covering was made from ram skins dyed red. The other covering was made from fine leather. Then the workers made frames from acacia wood to support the holy tent. Each frame was ten cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. There were two side poles joined together with cross pieces to make each frame. Every frame for the holy tent was made the same. They made twenty frames for the south end of the holy tent. Then they made forty silver bases for the frames. There were two bases for each frame, one base for each side pole. They also made twenty frames for the other side, the north side, of the holy tent. They made forty silver bases for the frames, two bases for each frame. They made six more frames for the back, the west side, of the holy tent. They also made two frames for the corners at the back of the holy tent. These frames were joined together at the bottom, and at the top a ring held the corner frames together. They did the same for both corners. There were eight frames for the west side of the holy tent and there were sixteen silver bases, two bases for each frame. Then the workers used acacia wood to make the braces for the frames, five braces for the first side of the holy tent, five braces for the other side, and five braces for the back of the holy tent, that is, the west side. They made the middle brace so that it passed through the frames from one end to the other. They covered these frames with gold. Then they used gold to make the rings to hold the braces, and they covered the braces with gold. They used fine linen and blue, purple, and red yarn to make the special curtain for the entrance to the Most Holy Place, and they sewed pictures of cherub angels into the curtain. They made four posts using acacia wood, and they covered the posts with gold. Then they made gold hooks for the posts and four silver bases for the posts. Then they made the curtain to cover the entrance to the tent. They used blue, purple, and red yarn and fine linen to make this curtain, and they wove pictures into it. Then they made five posts and the hooks for this curtain over the entrance. They covered the tops of the posts and the curtain rods with gold, and they made the five bronze bases for the posts. 
Chapter 33 began where chapter 32 left off, immediately after the people made the golden calf. The Lord is angry, and he tells Moses to quickly leave that place. And he tells Moses that he will not go with them, but he will send an angel to go with them instead because, quote, you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way, unquote. Well, there's two things I'd like to talk about in this short scene. Number one, do you think God really was considering whether or not to destroy them when he said, I might destroy you on the way? Did he really need to remove himself from their presence so he wouldn't destroy them in a fit of anger? Would he have wiped them out because they built a golden calf and worshipped it? Well, I remember when my sons were just young boys, and there were times when I would catch one or more of them doing something that they knew they shouldn't do. Now, sometimes I would discipline them right there on the spot, but other times I'd send them to their room. And with a stern look and firm tone, I would say, I'll be in to deal with you later. <laughs> and then, when they were very young, they'd trudge off to their room and they'd be crying all the way. The waiting for the other shoe to drop was sometimes worse than whatever punishment might come along. Beloved, God was not surprised when the people built that golden calf. Listen, when we sin, it doesn't shock God but he does want us to learn to obey his word. So I believe that when he said that he might destroy them on the way, I think he did it so that they would think about what they had done and know that God does not take their sin lightly. Number two, God did not remove his presence from them to restrain himself. He had no intention of wiping them out. Their sin was not going to change God's plan for the redemption of mankind. No, in removing his presence from them, he was testing them. Up to this point, God had been with them in a very close way. He was in the midst of them, rescuing them from Pharaoh and beginning their journey to the promised land. And he promised to protect them along the way and bring them victories as he took the land. God was with them visibly with a pillar of cloud in the daytime and the fire at night. And now he said, I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. So he was still giving them the land. So what was the test? Well, what if their response to this new arrangement was, okay, cool, we can live with that. <laughs> what would that say about them? It would say that as long as they got the goodies, they didn't care about God. But to their credit... They mourned when they heard that God was withdrawing from them. Commentator Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way, quote, To be given every other blessing is of no value if God is not with you. What is the value of Canaan? What is the value of milk and honey? What is the value of having possessions if God was not with them? They saw that the realization of the presence of God, having his fellowship and company, was infinitely more important than everything else." Unquote. Beloved, every believer, every Christian has an even greater presence of God than a pillar of cloud or fire. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. God is with us in a very, very real way. Can you imagine if He was to withdraw from your life? Think of it. Imagine how bleak life would be without God right there with you. Imagine the loneliness, the hopelessness. 
It's a terrifying thought in my mind. And this, dear one, is why we have to share the good news. Non-believers, though they do not have the Holy Spirit living in them, do benefit from living in a world where God's influence is all around. They may not acknowledge Him, they may not be aware of Him, but God is here, and He truly does restrain a great deal of evil, and the entire world benefits from God's presence. But when a non-believer dies, they are forever removed from any presence of God. There truly is no hope of redemption. As I said on yesterday's show, we have a responsibility to tell people of God's saving grace. They need to know that Jesus came to save them from that terrible eternal fate. John 3:16-18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Beloved, how will they know unless we tell them? Well, beloved, what are your thoughts? Let me know. Call the LifeSpring family hotline at plus one nine five one. 732-8511 or send a boostergram to me or go to comment.lifespringmedia.com. I do read every comment and as you know, I read a lot of them on the show. Tomorrow will be History Tuesday. We'll begin the book of First Kings by reading chapters 1 through 4. Well, I got home just a few minutes ago from the NASCAR race in Ontario, which was a blast. The lovely lady Leanne and I actually got to sit in the elevated stand right there in the pit for the number five car, who is uh, Kyle Larson, by the way, right there in the pits. If you've ever watched NASCAR on TV, the crew chief is always up in this stand type thing uh, right there in the pits. And we got to sit right behind him up in that little stand. It was amazing. It was so cool. We got to uh, watch over his his shoulder and see all the charts and graphs and pictures and everything that he sees. Uh, they gave us uh, they gave both of us a radio headset so we could listen to the radio chatter that was going on between the different cars. And uh, it was cool. The radios had, uh, you know, obviously different channels and you could tune in to whatever car you wanted to listen to that crew. So that was fun. Unfortunately, the, the car that whose pit we were in, the number five car, as I said, Kyle Larson, um, he had electrical problems right from the get-go. The, the car had some sort of problem and uh, he took one lap, the first lap, and then they called him in because the car just wasn't performing right. They called him in, uh, he pitted, and they did some stuff to the car. Probably was in there for about three minutes, which is about three times longer than a typical pit. They sent him out, and it still wasn't right. So he came back in again. Then they took him to the back where the garage was. And by the time they got the car sorted out and he was back on the course, they were something like 15 laps down. So our guy never had a chance. But... As I told you, we are a part of the Hendrick Motorsports group. Leanne works for Hendrick Motorsports. So um, we obviously cared about all of the Hendrick drivers. And one of the Hendrick drivers, his name is Chase Elliott, he was actually pretty competitive most of the race. And he even ended up finishing in second place. 
So we didn't get to go to the winner's circle like we had hoped, but it was it was a fun race. From our vantage point there in the stand, whenever there was a pit stop, you know, all of the activity was all around us. They had, uh, from where we were sitting, all the tires were on the, the uh, our left side. We could look down the stand and, and watch them get the tires uh, all out and ready for uh, the pit stop. And when the number five car would come in, you know, they'd throw the tires over, they'd go and put them on. And uh, to our right, it was uh, the, the fuel crew. And so, you know, we, we got to watch that. And I don't know if you watch NASCAR on TV, but it's not at all the same. Obviously, it's amazing how incredibly loud the cars are. And also, you don't think about this when you're watching on TV, but the aromas, the smells, you, you smell the the uh, the exhaust of this racing fuel you smell the tires burning when they you know burn out uh, when they leave the pit and it was just exciting there was activity around us the whole time even though our guy didn't have a chance to win it was still a lot of fun but what was really uh surprising for southern california we are going through a real cold snap here and uh, i had long underwear on i was wearing a heavy coat with a muffler around my neck and i had a hat on and gloves and it was just so freezing by the time the race was over my feet were just blocks of ice i mean for somebody in like the north part of the country or canada it would not have been cold to you. You probably would have been wearing a T-shirt. But for a Southern California boy, uh, 48 degrees or so, maybe a little bit colder than that, is cold. I know, I know, I'm a, I'm a wimp. But for somebody that isn't used to it, it was very, very cold. Definitely, though, this race will have been a highlight of 2023 when I look back on the year. And by the way, if you'd like to see some pictures from our day at the race today, you can see them on the show notes page for today's episode. That'll be at lifespringmedia.com slash S13E149. Well, enough of that. When I got into the office, I had the drawing, and the three winners of the drawing for the Jesus Revolution book are... Brother Sean of San Pedro, who sent in a boostergram with the words, I want a Jesus revolution. And the next two winners sent in emails. The first is Ann Sarmiento, and the second is Jay Villanueva. Congratulations, you three, and thanks to everyone who entered the drawing. I hope that everybody goes to see the movie, Jesus Revolution. And please, after you see it, let me know what you thought of it. And by the way, the three winners... Brother Sean, Ann Sarmiento, and Jay Villanueva, please send me your physical address so that I can send your books out to you. Thanks to everybody who entered. God bless you. LifespringMedia.com slash support Thanks to Jason Paschal, who did today's show art, and thanks to Denise, Michael Hayner, Scott Snyder, and Brittany, the team. Rick Hendrick has his race team. Well, I've got the LifeSpring one-year Bible team. And I'm telling you what, I honor you and I'm so thankful for you. Someone else I'm also thankful for is the LifeSpring family. I'm so happy to know that you're there. Thank you for making me a part of your life. And thank you for making me a part of your day today. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. My name is Steve Webb. Bye. programs in the LifeSpring Media family are made possible by the generous gifts of people like you.